Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. That there is Matt Sheehan. We are not in the studio today, thanks to the beautiful weather outside here in Michigan. Our sled dogs are not Spartan dogs, Justin. We've learned that the hard way today. Um, yeah, but hey, that's okay. We've got two home games going on. You're in your own home. I'm in someone's home. I don't know whose it is, but yeah, we're, we're going to make this happen here. The good old SD4L show. So how, how's life over there, Justin? You doing okay? Uh, big win for your Eagles. Congratulations. Stress-free, mm-hmm. too, which is the best part. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Can't complain. It's going to be another stress-free win this upcoming weekend, I believe. So um, can't be can't be complaining too much about that side of things. But it's um, it's uh, thankful. I'm thankful that I get to see the Eagles play in the seventh NFC uh, championship game since I've been born. Don't remember the first couple of them, but it's uh, always great to see another one. All right, that's that's enough of you. Thank you, I appreciate that. Go Lions, by the way. Um, you know what else we don't have to stress about, uh, Justin? Lions don't have to stress about an NFC title game, and apparently you don't have to stress about a close NFC title game. That is just the utmost confidence uh, that you can have going into such a big weekend. But we are not stressing out about who is going to be the tenth assistant coach on Mel Tucker's mm-hmm. staff. Justin, would you like to give us the rundown on one, Dyron Reynolds? That's right, out of Stanford. That's right, coming to East. That is right. Yeah. So today, Michigan State made public the hiring of Dyron Reynolds. Um, myself, Corey Robinson, we've been hearing for a while now that um, throughout the interview process, he had been kind of the, the favorite, but it never got to the point where we heard that it was a done deal. So today, we kind of found out that it was a done deal along with everyone else, and um Kind of what I, what I take away from this is that Michigan State got a coach that's a very good developer. They got a coach that is very sound schematically with the X's and O's. They have a coach that recruited as well as he possibly could have, given the obstacles that were around him at Stanford and, and things of that nature. He spent a year in Oklahoma where he did recruit very well. And um, a lot of NFL experience. So, uh, for example, Tony Dungy, uh, who's in the Hall of Fame, uh, the head coach of the Colts, he credited um, uh, Coach Reynolds with developing Dwight Freeney uh, back when they worked together in Indianapolis. He has a Super Bowl ring from that time. And uh, he also had um, a chance to be the defensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins. I uh, was an assistant defensive line coach for the Vikings. So all in all, you can see from his NFL days, not only does he have the respect of some, some highly respected coaches, but also has the X's and O experience you need. 
And um, we can dive a little more into what he did at Stanford as well when we, when we talk about it. But just to end my monologue there, I think uh, a lot of potential as a recruiter and a lot of proven um, commodities other than that as a developer and as a technician. Sorry about that, gang. That is entirely on me. I was talking on mute. That is a professional <laughs> podcaster on this side. No, I'm sorry about that. Guys. Um, so what we have here with Dyron, if I could just do that whole soliloquy all over again, now that I'm unmuted, is that, yeah, you, you did your due diligence. You went outside of the program. And uh, yeah, of course, that Dyron was going to be one of the best names out there. Mel Tucker did not bring this guy in just because, no, he's got the pedigree for it. Seven years at Stanford. And just like Justin said, yes, it, it's Stanford. They do have some recruiting limitations. And no, they're not some downtrodden program that just has nothing going for them. They are a good program, but still, you do have to recruit a certain type of athlete. And he was still able to get stuff done on the defensive line in his seven years there. That is including coaching two All-Americans, the first one being Solomon Thomas, the other one, Harrison Phillips. Solomon Thomas being a top five draft pick for or out of Stanford, of course. So, yeah, Super Bowl winner, college football playoff participant, and one of the stronger coaches that you could probably find that was on the market in this offseason. So, Siren Reynolds, come on down. Welcome to yeah. sunny East Lansing. Hope you enjoy your stay here. Yeah, and um, speaking of recruiting pretty well at Stanford, you mentioned the guys who put into the NFL, obviously Harrison Phillips and um, Solomon Thomas, but two other guys, Casey, two held uh, Thomas Booker, two guys put in some round draft picks respectively. But from the recruiting standpoint there, he did land uh, Aaron Armitage um, in the 2022 class, or sorry, 2021, all the way from New Jersey. So this is a kid, he, he got to go to Stanford across the United States, and the kid had offers from USC, Oregon, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, 33 others. So a massive recruiting win. He, he just had two cycles ago there in, in Palo Alto. Also, he, he landed another four-star in 2021 in Tobin Phillips. Then he landed a couple three-stars in some very contested recruiting battles. He landed Jackson Moi over USC, Michigan, Oregon, and 20 other offers. Zach Rowell over Oregon and Miami, USC, Michigan. So there's four recruitments in just the last three cycles that were highly ranked, highly contested kids. And that's at Stanford. So like you were saying, difficulty there, not only just because the um, NIL isn't up to par, not only because the fan atmosphere is lacking at Stanford, but also the amount of kids that you can even present those pro and con lists to aren't, aren't, are few and far between because the talent pool of the amount of kids that qualify to the school is very slim picking. So... All those factors combined, just an amazing job by, by Coach uh, Reynolds here in the past couple of cycles with Stanford recruiting-wise as well. And speaking of recruiting, too, it is interesting that David Stone, who is a frequent member uh, of the visitor list in East Lansing, of course, we're talking about the 2024 Top 10 recruit out of IMG Academy. He calls Oklahoma home. But do you think that there's any – correlation here to this hiring being announced and then David Stone also visiting this weekend. Does he want to meet this 
defensive line coach, or is this just actually purely a coincidence that he's coming up at the same weekend that, well, this guy gets announced as a head coach or assistant coach? What am I talking about? Yeah, I think that's definitely true that last time when David Stone came, he came by himself. Uh, his mom wasn't there. His dad wasn't there. And uh, there was no defensive line coach. It was just Vic and BT Jordan doing all the heavy lifting. And this time around, um, definitely they wanted to get this hire done by the end of the, uh, or before the end of this uh, January Junior Day period. So they got that announced today on a Wednesday. David Stone's coming on Friday with at least his mom, possibly also his dad. And uh, I think it's definitely a great opportunity for them to, to get a chance to meet Coach Reynolds, for sure. And with that, let's flip the page here to recruiting talk because, Justin, I, I hear that you know a thing or two about recruiting around the football mm. program, also the basketball program, but we're going to stick to the gridiron right now. Signing day's coming up. That's right. Another signing day. You know, every three months there's a signing day uh, <laughs> in this day and age. But, you know, there's a few names out there, not a ton because Michigan State only has so many roster spots available, just like every other program in the country. But what are the names that we are watching for the 23 class as we look to close the book on this great class? Yeah, two names that, that come to mind immediately. Um, pretty much the only two names that, that are worth monitoring for the 23 class right now is uh, Philip Davis. Um, and uh, the other is Chimdi Ono. So Chimdi is someone that everyone should be familiar with now. He's a four-star offensive tackle from New Jersey. He's a guy that was originally committed to Old Dominion, blew up as a senior. Um, Michigan State hosted him on a visit this past weekend. He was at Penn State two weekends ago. Those are pretty much the two schools that are the, the most competitive right now, but he is indeed visiting all this, and anything can happen there, and they could obviously jump into the top one or two as well. But it's um, an opportunity for Coach Cap to sign his fourth uh, four-star offensive lineman in this class, which is just um, almost unheard of at, at Michigan State. But, yeah, Chimdi, he's um, 6'5", 270. He's going to be um, announcing on February 1st, on signing day. So it's going to be interesting to see who he chooses. I don't think anybody has a lead right now. Um, Penn State did have an edge earlier on because of the distance to home, but Michigan State has kind of told them, like, hey, a few-hour drive to Penn State isn't as close as a significantly shorter plane ride to East Lansing, for example. So... They're just they're just kind of finding ways to, to relate to their sales pitches, and we'll see how it goes. But Penn State had the early lead. It's pretty close now, and we'll, we'll see what happens in the next week. But Philip Davis, the other name, he is a safety from down in Florida. Michigan State uh, was his second offer, and Toledo was the only other one there. So phenomenal job by Michigan State. Jaron Duhart, Harlan Barnett, Mel Tucker, those guys that do a lot of the DB recruiting. He got a 24-7 sports rating of 86. So just above mid mid three star rank, I guess mid to high. Um, so that's um, a great find by Michigan State at the end of the cycle. Six one one eighty. He's a safety. His main skill set you see in all the videos is just him being a total ball hawk. He had ten interceptions this past year. Um, played really well in coverage in the state title game, from what I'm told. So those are the two names. Uh, Philip Davis. I would be surprised if he did not choose Michigan State. Shim Diono. Basically, any anyone's fair game right there. Philip Davis, uh, I hear that in the state title game, the coverage was so good, he had two interceptions. I mean, you, you take that in a big spot. Wow. Obviously, too, like a rangy kid from Florida. That's yeah. a football state. So, of course, if you can get to snag a kid like that this late in the cycle, you absolutely positively do it every single time. And the Chimney Ono thing is just fascinating. you know. And I do love that yeah. they are advertising the planes. 
Yeah, planes are still flying in the air. They can <laughs> land at a Lansing airport. That is a short flight from Maryland, so that helps. I was talking yeah. with John Garcia Jr. Now, he is a recruiting director at Sports Illustrated. He mentioned Ole Miss's name as well because, hey, as if one recruiting battle with MSU, Ole Miss, and Penn State wasn't enough for one recruiting cycle. We just did this with Kendrick Reese now. Maybe we do this again with Chimdi Ono. Do you think Ole Miss is a serious player here, or is it the two-horse race between MSU and Penn State? So right now, I would say Ole Miss is definitely third, but they also okay. get their visit opportunity, so anything can happen on their visit. Um, I think uh, when it comes to offensive tackles, Michigan State is going to be very, very competitive in making sure that that their um, package to a kid is competitive, all the different resources that they can offer. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I know when Michigan State lost uh, Kedrick Rissonneau, a running back to Ole Miss, they didn't feel inclined to kind of see eye-to-eye with the value there that, that was on the table. So okay. this time around, I expect it to be competitive for Michigan State. So, um, again, like Ole Miss has their visit upcoming, so anything can happen. So it would be dumb for me to cut them out. But right now, I would say that they are indeed third. And right now, as it stands, after early signing day, Michigan State just one of 10 programs to have at least three four-star rated offensive linemen. Of course, if you bump it to mm. four of those guys, that puts you in – I mean, it's already elite company being just one of 10 programs in the yeah. nation, but that, that would really put you in a premium category there. And just a great job by Coach Cap, Coach Tucker, and the rest of the staff. Yeah. If, if they could slam the door here. Of course, it's a big if. There are not a lot of four-stars that are just hanging around here for the second signing day period. So getting a lot of attention down there in Maryland. But, hey, just like I said, Michigan State's a player here. So fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, the only other sure. recruiting name I can think of right now um, in terms of just uh, who's who's exciting to watch this upcoming week and things of that nature is, like you already mentioned, David Stone coming back. Um, in his recruitment, the uh, development recently was – um, on one of the competitor sites on three, one of their national guys put in a crystal ball for him to choose Michigan State. The reason um, that is that is interesting is because myself and Corey Robinson, we had put in crystal ball picks for Michigan State back when Marco Coleman was here, and we were confident in our reporting that Michigan State was indeed the leader at the time. And um, then when Marco Coleman left, who – uh, was pretty much the primary recruiter for, for all the, the defensive linemen because BT Jordan is the one that gets him in the door, uh, gets Michigan State in the door, mm-hmm. makes the pitch on his credentials and his resume, but really it's the actual defensive line coach, whether before Coleman or now Coach Reynolds, they're the ones that build the daily relationships. So once Coach Coleman left, there was some, some uncertainty of, okay, is Michigan State still going to be able to maintain this lead? So to see um, Chad Simmons go ahead and, and put in that pick – kind of reaffirms that we thought that if Coleman does leave, it's not going to be a huge blow, even though he was the primary recruiter and Michigan State still has a shot. So that is how I kind of read that development, and that is kind of where I think that recruitment stands. I don't think he's going to commit on the spot this weekend, but it's good to see that Michigan State is still okay. holding firm there at the very, very top. Still, obviously, a long way to go to before the next early signing day for the 24 yeah. kids, but oh, uh, it's just hard not to get excited, you know. I mean, consensus top ten yeah. kid, five star. Yeah, it, it, that that one. That's a little hard to just kind of stifle all the excitement for. But uh, we'll try. Yeah. Actually, no, we're not going to try. Who, who are we kidding? No, <laughs> Whatever. So there you have it. So hey, that's that's football. Should we go uh, play some shooty hoops right now? Should we go yes. to the center and let's go? Let's switch up. Uh, 
just just a quick peek at what happened in the last week. Of course, that Rutgers game at home, which seems like a very long time ago, but hey, contrary to popular belief, yeah. that game was played since our last episode. So we got to talk about that. We got to talk about the road game at Indiana. Above all, though, and we're going to talk about this kid a little bit later in the show, but the, the biggest takeaway I had from those two games, the Jackson Kohler coming out party may have happened. I mean, mm-hmm. just a you know, career first double-double against Rutgers when the team needed any post presence they could find when Rutgers was grabbing 18 offensive rebounds and then chased it with Indiana. Yes, of course, the 13-point loss, but kind of picked up where he left off and against, well, oh, I don't know, just the Big Ten leader in blocks in Trace Jackson Davis, still a confident shot about 50% combined in both games. That was my biggest takeaway from the two games. Yes, of course, you would have loved to won both, but look, you win your home game, you lose at Assembly Hall. I'm, I'm not, you know, crying in my cereal the next morning after that one. I mean, that's a tough place to play regardless of how good or not good Indiana is. And, I mean, on that point, Indiana is probably pretty good this year too. They've kind of figured some things out here as of late. So, no, I'm not really losing a lot of sleep over that one. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, losing at Indiana is never a shame. Um, even when they're down, that's usually a hard place to win at, even in those years, let alone when they're a little better this year. So, um, I agree with the Jackson Kohler takeaway being one of the most primary sort of observations that, that we can make from there because um, I guess I kind of owe him an apology, not that he's listening, but last week uh, on the show, I believe I said um, some of his minutes need to start going towards uh, Carson Cooper because he had shown quicker growth than Jackson Kohler. And um, defensively and athleticism-wise, he was becoming a, a better asset. And just like that, on, on, the, on the flip of a dime, Jackson Kohler has become Baby Jokic, as he has always been dubbed. So um, good to see, good to see go. the development there. And it uh, seems like now there are two blossoming and blooming uh, projects at center, and, and hopefully both of them keep getting to see increased minutes, and uh, we get to continue to see their growth. Also, just another quick takeaway here. I mean, this is something we already know this season. Joey Hauser has been playing really good this season. Just I, really bummed to see that performance against Indiana not count towards a win. As he had 11 points, what was it, in the first six minutes of the game, 22 total on the night. So just another great game from Joey Hauser. But not just that, but in a tough environment. Like, we also saw him have a really good game in a tough environment back in his home state in Wisconsin as well. We've talked about it. You guys have seen it on television. Or if you've ever been there in person, Assembly Hall, not a friendly place to play if you're the opposition. But, yeah, Joey Hauser, I mean, who, of course, this is all speculation, but you can kind of see with body language last year, maybe struggle with confidence a little bit. And how about just a complete polar opposite this year of when the times are getting tough and when the atmospheres are the most difficult? Just rising to the occasion way more times than not so far. So that was another good takeaway. Just beside, you know, win one, lost one. So that's what that's what I had to definitely go on that. If you're ready to go forward here, yeah, yeah, no, definitely agree. I think um, we we said this when um, the, the Michigan game happened, and, and Coach Izzo basically succinctly said the same thing you did in the post game presser. He said after Joey had a couple air balls against Michigan, he told him, Joey, even I would have hit rim. So he said that last year, if you would have said that to Joey, he would have kind of like hung his head, felt embarrassed, probably not shot. And he said this year, Joey sure. was just determined to, to break out of it. So um, that's Izzo's tidbit, kind of basically solidifying what you just said. And it's um, great to see that that he's continuing to just be one of Michigan State's most reliable players this year. 
and um, can't can't help but root for the guy. He just he hustles. He he does everything he can. He might have a couple of physical limitations, but he's gonna try his best to make sure that effort is gonna make up for it. And just you just love to see the ball go through the net every time he shoots it. And let's take a look ahead at the next two games. But before that, Justin Malik Hall Foot Watch 2023 goes mm. on. Tom Izzo at the latest presser mentioned that. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Well, first of all, let's talk about Tyson Walker. Okay, he didn't eat for two days, or he had flu-like symptoms going into the Indiana game. He said that he's pretty much back at full strength. And then also in the same answer, let's talk about Malik Hall's foot, saying that he did practice a little bit this week, and will be a game time decision on Thursday. A week and a half ago, they were going to put embalming fluid in his foot, <laughs> put it in a jar, and have it on display at Breslin Center uh, just for fans to see. But no, now instead of him being shut down for the year, he, he could be playing some minutes tomorrow against Iowa. Uh, we are not we are not doctors at all. I, we are not even close to doctors whatsoever. With that said. <laughs> Would like? Do you want to see him play tomorrow, even if it's just for eight or ten minutes? Or are you like me and so skittish about any foot injury that you're like, maybe against Purdue, or maybe even the week after against Rutgers? How about we just do that? Yeah. So personally, if the doctors tell me Malik Hall is fully healthy on February first, I'll be like, cool. I'll play in February eighteenth, just to be safe. That is my approach to this injury. That is probably totally logical. If anyone listening is a doctor, they're going to be like, listen, once you're cleared, you're cleared. That means you're healthy. You can't further injure it if you're healthy. I hear you, but it doesn't matter. Logic and reasoning has no place in foot injuries at Michigan State. So I I agree 100% with what you're saying. At the end of the day, I think if you can get Malik Hall back for that stretch where they play at Michigan and they host Indiana – that sort of revenge week in the third week of, of uh, February, I believe. That's where I think I, I would really want him back. It seems like he's going to come back well before that, but I don't think we we would yeah. need him to be rushed back this week. Um, at the end of the day, one game here or there, that's a win or loss, doesn't matter a ton because this team is probably not winning the Big Ten, and they're probably also not going to be on danger of being in the bubble. So they're kind of in that range where they are. So I kind of rather have have them be fully healthy for that that stretch run in, in March, um, and uh, in Indianapolis and the Big Dance, even the few games before that, like I mentioned, Michigan, Indiana. So, yeah, I, I would like to see them be fully healthy, but I guess we are not doctors, as you said. So whatever they decide to do, we will um, we will watch and hope for the best. And Michigan State has a great opportunity to all but. You know, squash any mystery of being on the bubble this week. I mean, of course, you can't lock up your tournament seed in late January, but you go 2-0 and this week. The first you know, home game against Iowa, okay, that's a game you expect to win. That's not going to move the needle. But on the road at Purdue, uh, uh, an arena that I have no recollection of ever watching Michigan State win in. And I know that's not correct. I know they have won at Mackey uh, Arena, arena, however you want to say that word. Everyone, please don't get on me for that. But this would wait, wait, maybe it, it, be a really big st- – yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It is, isn't the only correct pronunciation for that arena? Like, who who is pronouncing it arena? Yeah, I think it's just me, unfortunately, and I hear about it every time uh, I do it. So, <laughs> oopsie poopsie. So, Mackie Arena, 
that's right. Sunday. <laughs> Catch it right before uh, the NFC AFC championship games begin. But big spot here for Michigan State. Do you? Because right, okay, look. Right, right now, the computers don't have Michigan State being <clears throat> much of a competitor in this game. Bart Torvik has Michigan State as nine and a half point underdogs. Obviously, they already lost to Purdue once at their home barn after playing a really, really good game. Almost an A game. Uh, you got to bring it on the road. Do you have what, what's what's your hope meter at for Michigan State winning at Mackey Arena this Sunday? Honestly, there's two venues where I think even Jordan's Bulls have no shot at winning. It's Mackey Arena and it's the Rack. <laughs> So I don't know how much how much hope I have of Michigan State winning this game, but I mean, my point is if they don't win this game, there will not be the least bit of animosity or or disappointment in that result. So uh, to answer your question, the confidence level is not high, but to be fair, it would not be high for anyone to go into Mackey Arena and beat Purdue right now. So that is my answer. <laughs> I'm just fascinated, like what strategy they do with. Zach Eady this time around? Do they go full double team? Do they try to get Eady to push it out to the three-point shooters? That really, I mean, Purdue has a lot of good things going for them. Three-point shooting is actually not one thing that they really specialize at. And again, it will be a little different being at their home gym. You know, you're a little more comfortable right. in your own barn when you shoot. I, I, I'm really fascinated to see if they are going to try to do to Zach Eady what they just did to Trace Jackson Davis, who that, that strategy did not work. But hey, again, Indiana is actually going to shoot the three. Purdue not so much. So we'll we'll see what happens there. That that's one thing that I'm really fascinated yeah. for in the first five minutes of the game, even. Yeah, because I think this is an opportunity where Izzo gets to have a bit of a leg up, where he just got to take all these notes, all these observations. He just played this team. Now, in a quick turnaround, he's going to get to go ahead and apply everything that he thinks is a solution to what he just saw. And in those sort of a settings, I know it's not exactly the same thing because it's a regular season, but in March, on a short rest, um, the second of a, two, of a weekend sort of a game in, in the tournament, that is where I always have the most confidence in Izzo. Because I know that when he gets in the lab and he starts making these scouting reports, he's going to be sharp and come up with something that works. In this case, though, personally, I cannot tell you a single thing that would work with guarding Zach Eadie. Because if they do go ahead and increase the double team usage, what I see happening is Fletcher Lawyer shooting 9 for 9 from 3, and uh, basically just never missing and looking like prime Kyle Korver. So that is where this becomes an issue is at Purdue, their jump shooters, I just think they're going to make them. I don't, I don't know what the stats are. I don't know what the metrics are. As you said, they're not known for their three-point shooting. But just in my paranoid view of this game, I don't yep. see the double-team strategy personally working. But again, that's just mostly paranoia. Fletcher Lawyer is going to go at least at least seven of nine from behind the arc. I, I, like I've already read the right. script, I've seen it all happen. I mean, it, it all. <laughs> unfortunately, um, but so that's uh, what we got this week. Uh, go to Breslin. Uh, tickets are still available. I believe that they do have some flash sales going on the website. But yeah, it should be uh, a rocking time at least for the Izone. Who I gotta say, I got I gotta throw them a bone right now. Izone has been strong this year. Uh, Izzo's talked about it in former press conferences, um, not just about the Izzone, but just about, you know, the students as a whole, that uh, COVID is kind of not a thing of the past, of course, but all the restrictions are a thing of the past. And I think everyone's just excited to be back and, 
not take it for granted uh, being in those great seats, watching a great team play. So, yeah, it's been great energy at Breslin. Don't expect anything different on Thursday. Now, not talking about college. Well, talk about college, you know, Michigan State, obviously, but not college kids right now. Let's talk about some high school kids. Justin, let's talk about some burger boys. Let's talk about some McDonald's All-Americans. All four of Michigan State's commits were nominees for the McDonald's All-American game. But on Tuesday, they came out with the final cuts. And right there on the right, you see your future point guard, Jeremy Fears. And then that fine gentleman on the left right there. That Xavier Booker, they have both made their respective McDonald's All-American game squads. And, Justin, this is the first time since 2016 that multiple Michigan State Spartans have made the same McDonald's All-American game. First future Spartans to make the game since Jaron Jackson did back in the day. Uh, So, yeah, there we have it. Two guys. Uh, we're looking good. We've also got some more McDonald's All-American talk coming up later this show, if you remember our little segment. Two are facts. One is whack. Hmm, that, that might be the theme of that segment here. Not to uh, spoil anything, Justin. But mm. you think Colin Carr got snubbed. Yes, two is great for Michigan State, and both are very deserving. But we're not happy enough here. Did Colin Carr, did Garrett Norman himself also get snubbed? Let's let's not snub a guy from the snub conversation. we got to talk Garrett Norman as well. <laughs> so, um, Colin Carr, he is not ranked in the top – 32-ish, I believe, on any of the sites. I think you might be on ESPN. But from a ranking standpoint, I can see why if someone is being lazy and just going off of that, I can see why he might not be one of the top 24 players chosen for a game like this. However, the reason that if I was on the selection committee, even without any sort of Michigan State bias, if I were to be making this list, I'm putting value in entertainment value. And that includes post-rising dunks, great defense, pass being blocked, alley-oops. In that regard, I don't think there's anyone playing in this game that would provide more of a shock factor or more entertainment to fans than Colin Carr. And it's not like I'm advocating for a guy that's ranked in the 70s that's just a decent, that's just a good dunker, but a decent player. I'm in there because he's exciting. This is a kid that is borderline anyway. He's a top 30-ish, 32-ish, 2-ish prospect. So if we can kind of add some more spice to the game and, and just lower the barometer of the ranking of where some of these kids are coming from, I think that's something that the committee should have done. So in my opinion, I do think he was snubbed, but I can see I can see both sides of it. Norman, that's a stretch, ranking-wise. You know what, though? I, I like that Norman's not in it. Keep building that chip on the shoulder. The chip is strikes me as a kid that- loves that chip on his shoulder and that just helps him become a future elite player here like I, I love his game right now of course I think he should have been in the McDonald's All-American game but I'm also a blatant homer for any future <laughs> Steve Spartan. so no like I'm already in the spin zone like yeah no that's good that he got snubbed I, I need this kid having any motivational tools possible to grow his game because uh, like look this guy could be an impact Day one. I think all four of these kids can be impacts day one. But uh, at the end of the day, awesome that you got two guys up on the board as Burger Boys, uh, you know, coming up for this McDonald's All-American game. Hope it's a great experience for them because I know experience has been a little off the last few years with COVID and everything. So, um, yeah, look at you, Jeremy Fierce. Look at you, Xavier Booker. And, hey, Jeremy Fierce also just got his fifth composite star not too long ago as yeah. well, if I could add that little nugget in there. 
Yeah, definitely. He uh, got his uh, fifth star from 24-7 Sports. So Michigan State now has two five-star commits in the class, the other being Xavier Booker, obviously. So I think you always deserve that. I know that when I was talking to people at 24-7 over the past year or so, they had basically said that he is close, but his jump shooting is the only thing kind of lagging behind, and that has improved this, this season. And um, all the sites collectively have started nudging him up, and the average uh, that that yielded was was good enough to be a five star. So, so great to see for the floor general for sure. There we go. And let's move back to the college ranks, and let's introduce a weekly segment. This is our Spartan Dog of the Week. We are going to stay on the basketball court, though. That's true, and we are going to talk once again about Jackson Kohler. That's right. This week's Spartan Dog of the Week. Like we said, two games played great in both games. 10 of 17 shooting over those two games. That's above 50% for all you non-math people out there. Also, 17 rebounds in those two games in 41 combined minutes. That's the most minutes he's had in back-to-back games in his young career. And also, speaking of career, his first double-double against Rutgers. Just 12 (laughs) points, you know, just 11 rebounds, and then three blocks as well. That's right. He's heard all the naysayers talk about his defense and said, well, how about a trio of SWATs for you out there? Uh, and also, Justin, like, let's talk about this, too. He got these performances out the mud. There is nothing more Spartan dogish than getting something out of the rough, and he got a diamond of confidence out of the rough. I This is maybe the most impressive thing for me, just from a guy watching from his couch, is that the four games leading up to this really didn't have anything to write home about. Just two combined points and two combined rebounds in those four games going up to it. Going was getting a little tough. He had to go up against Cliff Amarui. Okay, that's a little difficult. And then Trace Jackson Davis. And these are the performances he stitches together. Like, where did he get this confidence? That's a rhetorical yeah. and non-rhetorical question. Where, where did he even get this from? Because he just looks the part in these games, too. Like, he just looked like a guy that expects a double-double every time he reaches the court. So just to have that mentality coming off those four games, I, yeah, you're absolutely the Spartan Dog of the Week, Jackson Kohler. That was an incredible pair of games. And uh, I wouldn't hate if we just kept seeing that throughout the rest of the season and maybe yeah. your career, too. I thought not to put expectations that uh, can't be met, but I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. Yeah, I think you make a great point about the confidence there because – one of the things that stuck out from all of Jackson Kohler's interviews or even just uh, the overtime and slime magazine clips and all those things is he was never shy of confidence, whether that's when he scored 45 points in a singular tournament or when he went to the Iverson Classic and dunked all over Terrace Reed. There is always confidence as part of his game. And um, it's a great tool to have, especially when you have the previous four games like you just mentioned before this hot stretch. And that is what allowed him to to have this turnaround that he's had. And, yeah, it's just very impressive that he did this against TJD and uh, Amarui. And the fact that there were some games in November and December against uh, mid-majors or, or bigs that were not as athletic where he didn't look anywhere close to this impressive, that just tells you that you have to be patient with the process. And that's why Izzo didn't go to the portal at center. And this was the long game, and it was always supposed to be the long game. And, by the time March comes around, if Cooper and Kohler keep progressing at this rate, um, and, and hopefully Madi can maybe get his footing back like, like we saw earlier in the year, 
suddenly you could have three uh, center options that, that are very solid and it didn't look like that a month and a half ago. So it's just all about the long game, all about the patience. And when your guy's confidence like uh, Kohler does, um, I think uh, the sky's the limit. So hopefully Jay Cole is part of the Spartan Dog of the Week conversation in future weeks as well. But it's great to see the growth so far. Jay Cole was just sitting in front of us the whole time. Oh, man. I, I, that's the first <laughs> time I've heard that. And that is not the last time I will be repeating that nickname. That, that's a great one. Jay Cole. There we go. Woo. Let's go. Making it Dream Street here in the last two games for him. Huh? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, so... With that said, I like that you mentioned the, the portal there because uh, there's a man in East Lansing that talked about the portal uh, not too long ago. His name is Tom Izzo. And, uh, Owen, if mm. you can show the tweet. Uh, this was tweeted out. This was the full quote from an interview that he gave. Well, I mean, not the interview, but it was just a press conference, You know, the, the whole point of these things. And uh, he went on for quite some time. We are not going to read the entire quote because we would be here until – about 1233 in the morning, Justin, with especially how slow I read things sometimes. But just really quick, there's two <laughs> quotes I want to read within the big quote and then just give like my quick take because, look, we've talked about Transfer Portal a lot in the last few months, and we still do after every game, whether it's a win or a loss, depending on what side of the fence you're on. Anyway, part of the quotes was, if you bring in guys, those guys aren't transferring here to sit. So now you've got team things, and most people don't care about that. And I do. If it's the doom of me, then it is. And then he also went on to say there will be change here. I hope I don't get to the point where it's uh, change at the expense of not giving a kid an opportunity, a fair shot, and I promised him that in his living room. And by that, he means just, you know, cutting it way too early, being like, oh, well, you're not doing good after two years. I'm going to bring in a transfer. And we were seeing this play out in real time with Mati Sissoko, of course. And, yeah, a lot of people were crying that he does get a center in the portal. I was one of these criers that was doing this. But the one point that I want to make here, because really it doesn't matter what I think, the fact of the matter is, no, he didn't bring in anyone through the portal in the offseason. And no, you can't just go get someone right now. But what I'm really starting to hone in on is that, hey, this 2023 class is phenomenal. They are top three in the country. Right now, while you don't have any commits for 2024, you are trending in the right direction for a lot of solid kids. And I just can't look at this quote, you know, or the giant quote, what he's done in the offseason, or rather what he hasn't done in the offseason of adding a transfer to take someone's spot, and seeing if there's any coincidence between these two good recruiting classes that he is inbound for, and just the way he handles this team. So, yes, of course, hey, you know, having depth would be great, especially in the wake of the Malik Hall injury. Yes, sometimes we might want another center out there, but maybe turn down that short-term benefit for the long-term game of recruiting. So that's that, that's just where I want to rest on those comments right there, is that, hey, maybe it wasn't the worst thing because I think that this does resonate in the living rooms with a lot of these recruits, that he just doesn't give up on them and cut bait immediately. So that's 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 all. That's my case right there. Yeah, that's definitely correct. It's uh, something that can go tangibly show to recruits and their families that we stick by our players and we give them all the time in the world. Um, there are guys that have left the program that a lot of people have campaigned that it would have been nice if earlier than that they would have been nudged out the door, but Izzo gave them every opportunity. 
is always getting every opportunity now to everyone on his roster. Whether all of those players maximize that opportunity or not is, is up to them. And at least he himself at the end of the day can look himself in the mirror and say he gave them the opportunity. So if after this year ends, Peter Brooks doesn't turn a corner and maybe they do have to go get a forward, then it, it is okay gave Pierre Brooks this season as an opportunity. Now that's just a hypothetical example, but one thing that I always say anytime the portal is brought up in this scope is Michigan State had basically two spots where they could have used the portal. Forward and center. Center is basically refused to use the portal, and now we're starting to see why uh, with the growth of Kohler and Cooper. Now, at forward, Izzo did not refuse to use the portal. He tried to get Jalen Bridges, tried to get Michael Parrish, did all he could to land those guys. Those guys did not want to come and play forward at a program that already had Malik Hall, Joey Hauser, probably Pierre Brooks and Jaden Akins if they start to view themselves as a 3-4 sort of a hybrid. And um, yeah. at the end of the day, those guys that are in the portal, they're not going to come be forward four or forward number five. Um, and be like, well, I could play a role if somebody gets hurt. So, yes, it would have been nice if they landed a forward in the portal, but they tried and they couldn't for valid reasons. And at center, Izzo chose not to land a center, and it's starting to look like you can see the long game there. So on both accounts, I, I can see why we've ended up where we are, and I don't kind of fault Izzo for either one of them. Um, would we wish that things were, were different at forward? Sure, but I don't see how... Back then, somebody could have done something tangible to have made more depth there with the returners that were returning. And just like as I said, too, t- tough to recruit someone that is going to most likely get bench minutes. I mean, that's not what a majority of the transfer portal kids want is less of a role <laughs> when they go somewhere else. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's that. Hey, look, I, I'm sure that's not going to be our last time talking about it. I, I would bet that's not Izzo's last time talking about it either. He does like to speak his mind on a lot of topics, and this is one of the hotter topics of the season. Justin, enough, enough about Izzo, enough about me. Let's talk about you. How are you feeling right now for Tour Truths? No, two are, two are facts, one is whack. One day I'm going to get this segment title right, and it's not this week, but maybe next week I'll get it. Yeah. Two, one is whack. We're going to go back down to the Burger Boys. We're going to go to the McDonald's All-American game because, Justin, I got three statements here for you. One of them is not true. Are you ready for number one? That is correct. I'm ready. All right. Say so. This is the second time since 2010 Michigan State has had multiple McDonald's All-Americans in the same game. This is the second time since 2010 MSU has had multiple McDonald's All-Americans in the same game. That is number one. Number two, coming in hot. Michigan State is just one of two Big Ten teams to have a McDonald's All-American in this year's game. Michigan State is just one of two Big Ten teams to have a McDonald's All-American in this year's game. And then number three, Justin, Jeremy Fears is the third point guard since 1995 to be a McDonald's All-American that is going to Michigan State. Jeremy Fears is the third point guard since 1995 to be a McDonald's All-American that will be coming to Michigan State. Good luck, Mr. Thin. We got you. We believe in you. Come on. Don't let us down. Don't let us down. So last week, when I went 0-2, um, or I should say when I, when I moved the record to 0-2, um, the first thing I said was, well, I know this one is not why. And that is the one that indeed was whack. 
So, doing the same thing this time around and hopefully avoiding being outright wrong about it, I would say the middle one, um, which I've already forgotten what it was, but that is the one that I believe is true uh, when I heard that one. Um, so, okay. um, oh, that is the one with uh, there are only um, two Big Ten teams with the McDonald's all American this year, correct? Correct. That's the one, yep. Okay. Yeah, so I don't believe the Big Ten has more than three or four top 40 recruits coming in. So um, I guess that's what I'm saying is true. Now, between the other two, see, I don't remember all of Michigan State's recruiting classes in order from 2010, because keep in mind I was 11 back in 2010. So, um, that's an excuse. That's this, an excuse. Come on. That, that is, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that is the one that is whack, because the answer is probably three or one. <sighs> Justin, I'm sorry to say, but no one <laughs> is whack. The statement was Michigan State is just one of two Big Ten teams that have McDonald's All-American in this year's game. Justin, Michigan State is the only Big Ten team to have a McDonald's <laughs> All-American in this year's game. Subject to change, though, because Bronny James is playing in this game. He has Ohio mm. State on his short list, but he's uncommitted right now. I think everyone else is committed, though, in this game, and there's no one else that is committed to a Big Ten school. So as if you didn't feel good enough about Michigan State's recruiting class and what they've done in 2023, look around the Big Ten, too. Like, it hasn't been going too sterling outside of Michigan State. Yes, there are some solid classes, like just look down at Columbus. Ohio State is building something good, but Michigan State on their own level, and they reemphasize that with being the only Big Ten team with kids in the McDonald's All-American game. This is, unfortunately, I, no, why am I saying unfortunately? Well, I'm saying unfortunately because, well, this is the one that you thought was whack. It is the second yeah. time since 2010 Michigan State <clears throat> has had multiple McDonald's All-Americans the other year, mm. 2016. And Jeremy Fears is the third point guard since 1995 to be a McDonald's All-American. You look to Mateen Cleaves for one, Keith Appling as the other in 2013, and then or no, not to uh, whatever, way earlier than 2013. And then, yes, Jeremy Fears in this year's game. So there you have it. Those are your three point guards in the McDonald's All-American game that turned out to be Spartans. I believe in you for next week. You, you got this next week. It's, yeah. 0-3. Next week I'm going to do, your first name is Justin, your last name is Finn, <laughs> and then like the third one will be like completely, utterly bogus. So um, there you have it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I hate to see you go in three. I, I am really sorry. But uh, you know what I, I don't hate to see is this next segment. We're going to give people their flowers, Justin. And, yes, we do this at the end of every show. We look at old Michigan State athletes, old Michigan State coaches, and we give them their flowers because, dang it, while they're still around is the best time to give them their flowers and really just remind everyone what they meant to the program. And today we are going to be preaching about BJ Cunningham. We got to give BJ Cunningham every petal of flowers he deserves because look, dare I say he might still be underrated, even though he has all of these accolades to his name. He has the most career receptions at Michigan state with 218, the most receiving yards, the only guy with over 3,000 receiving yards in Michigan State history. The second most touchdowns with 25, only behind Charles Rogers and his 27. The second most receptions in a single season with 79. School record, eight 100-yard games. Arguably, this generation's GOAT. 
greatest of all time. And of course, there are no shortage of names here. You got Aaron Burbridge, Felton Davis, Jaden Reed. I mean, Mark Dell, where are you at? But man, BJ Cunningham just got it done all over the field. He was in one of those early uh, teams in the Mark Antonio era that really started to turn things around for this program. So BJ Cunningham, enjoy your flowers. Uh, God, just a legend around these parts of these slants, and I hope no one forgets it. Congratulations, BJ Cunningham, the Flowers Friday recipient of this week. Yeah. Sure. There we go. There you have it. And let's talk some yeah. let's talk some NFL and let's give people some great betting advice because I I implored everyone to rob any bank, any house they could last week and bet it all on Buffalo Bills minus five and a half. Wow. Uh, that did not go well. Uh, so with that said, Rob those people again. Uh, get get those winnings back because we are going to be going under 45 and a half for <laughs> San Francisco versus Philadelphia. That is my lock of the week. Under 45 and a half for the NFC title game. Or go ahead and fade that and probably win yourself some money. <laughs> That's what I got to say about that. I don't like that bet because the Eagles are going to have 49 points by themselves. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the pattern that I kind of went with last week when, when looking at the Eagles versus Giants game, and I said the Giants have horrible linebacker play. They're 31st in DVOA in the short middle of the field. And I basically said, put all your money on Goddard to have a touchdown and to, to have, the, have the over on the yards. This week, I'm saying the exact same thing for the 49ers going against the Eagles. Now, you take your pick, whether it's Debo Samuel, whether it's George Kittle, whether it's um, Christian McCaffrey. The short middle of the field is going to be available against the Eagles middle linebacker um, sort of component of the team and the safety play now that Chauncey Garner-Johnson has moved up to, to the slot corner. So that is my play slash my angle. You can pick how you want to construct that, but that is the thing that I'm hitting. That is the philosophy that I would say is the most fair bet for me this weekend. Um, who do you think is going to win each of the two games, Matt? God, just get, Philly, and for some reason, I, I'm going to get burnt betting against Joe Burrow again. I'm going to go with the Chiefs here, and I know that I will pay for it. But I'm still going to do it. Walk right into the bear trap. Well, that's the two teams I have as well. I think uh, we're going to get the Andy Reid um, rematch against his old team. We're going to get the Kelsey brothers playing each other in the Super Bowl. And um, Good call. I think uh, if that happens, I would like the Eagles' chances just because – um, I don't have any faith in Kansas City's defense stopping um, a dynamic okay. offense like the Eagles, but I think uh, I think there's an opportunity here for the for the birds to finish this season out in a positive note. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Love your confidence. I also love everyone that watched and listened today. Thank you so much, guys. We will be back hitting it next week in studio, unless another biblical snowstorm comes across. But hey, until then, keep it tuned. SD4L show. You guys are the best. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Please close your eyes, turn around, and count to nine. When you open them, I will be gone. Okay. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.